0: hey man can you hear me okay yes can you hear me yeah yeah hey i appreciate you coming back on the show dude i know this was sort of short notice um but it's good to have you back on it's been a while yeah for sure man don't, don't no worries there yeah i was thinking about this i uh i think you and i when we did the first interview it was january of 21 if i'm not mistaken so it's been about a year and a half since we spoke okay
1: yeah I was, trying to, I was trying to remember it's been uh
0: yeah quite a while it has been man I know probably um a lot of life has gone on since then it's uh you were always a guy that I had full intention on on bringing back on because um I think I probably told you this when we spoke about a year and a half ago but you were you were my first like big interview outside of my kind of inner friend circle because when I started podcasting it was kind of just me and my friend sort of goofing off and then I kind of started to tread into interview territory and you were like the first like real interview I got. So um, yeah, definitely right. some novelty there for me. So it's good to, it's good to bring you back. Yeah, cool. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. It's been, um, man, the last year and a half has been crazy for me.
0: <laughs> I bet.
1: Total change of pace. So yeah, it's um, yeah. It's cool. Happy to do it again.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, So what I was going to do, if, if you were okay with it, just cause it's, you know, anybody new listening who follows, you know, Hike Austin or is maybe new to town or randomly discovers this podcast and ends up listening to this and they're curious to learn a little bit more about it. To give us kind of the origin story again, because I even kind of forgot some of the um, more kind of acute details myself and sort of how Hike Austin came about. Um, so I was wondering maybe if you could give us kind of a kind of a rundown on that again
1: yeah for sure so it um 2018-ish probably um maybe 2017 i would gotten into photography a bit um just kind of side hobby landscape type stuff and uh through that i got into it sort of hiking a good bit um and i saw the account zilker bark where they go around taking pictures of dogs and charge a lot of money but they do great work you know so it's a great business and I was like man that's interesting like just thinking of the time as like a side hustle I was like maybe I should take people hiking and their dogs and take photos of them doing like adventurous stuff around town so that's kind of where it started and through that idea um, I looked into names um, to use for the website or Instagram or whatever for that idea and Hike Austin came to mind and it was one of those things where you're brainstorming and googling names and it's taken you're like okay and you keep thinking and I got the Hike Austin it seemed to kind of click and the domain and all the socials were open which I just thought was wild so I gobbled them all up and um, the taking people on hikes and and taking photos of them I do it here and there but I'm, I never actually pursued that really um, it, it rather quickly I just started taking people's photos from all the parks around town and reposting them and that's kind of the same way I run the account um, through today and nothing's really changed other than followers just went nutty on me so it was really I think november 2018 when i actually launched the account um i don't know where i guess coming on four years now um and yeah it just kind of i guess people needed the info you know i guess what i was i just kind of stumbled into it and people wanted that that content and i just put it out there for them and here we are
0: yeah it's interesting man i one of the things i noticed in the last like year and a half or so since we spoke and I, my numbers could be a little off here. You may be able to speak to this more accurately than I can. But I think when you and I spoke the first time, you were somewhere around maybe seventy five thousand, and you're okay. you're well over a hundred now, right? Like, what are you at currently? Um, probably one hundred seven, one hundred eight, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of growth in the last year and a half. I mean, it's it, which is awesome, by the way. Congrats on that. Um, Thank you. I'm sure like, does it, does it feel surreal sometimes? Like I, I'm sure when you started that page, you never thought it would turn into the monolith that it is today, but did it ever like, what does it feel like sometimes? Does it even feel real or do you kind of have to remind yourself like, Oh shit, this is like actually like a kind of a cornerstone in the online community. Now it's, it's definitely weird. I I don't
1: spend a lot of time thinking about it, Um, Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, you know, hitting a hundred K was cool, but it didn't really occupy a lot of time thinking about it. And it's, it's just because I think mainly 10,000 felt way cooler. I mean, when I was at a thousand followers or a hundred, it seemed like they mean more almost, I guess, as people, you know, when you're just at the beginning,
0: yeah, it was like,
1: holy cow, why, when there's a hundred followers, why do you, why does anybody want to be one oh one? you know? And so once it gets bigger, it just kind of lost the thrill of it maybe a little bit. And it it was just, I never thought the account would hit 10,000. I mean, I never really thought, I never really thought about what it would do. Honestly, I just started it. But I mean, 10,000 was like, Oh wow, this is pretty cool. And then it kind of got less fun from there on on the big numbers. You know I mean? It just wasn't, the thought of it just kind of went away after there for me. I mean, 50 K I didn't even pay attention to really 75. I mean, my, my eye was kind of like a hundred thousand, but I never in my wildest dreams thought it would hit that. Um, And I also don't know how much bigger it would get. I mean, I really have no expectations, which I guess is good. Set your expectations low, but I mean, I was happy at 10,000. So it's great at a hundred and we'll see how much bigger it gets. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the space of the, Largest accounts in Austin. I mean, if you look at similar accounts like Do512, 365 Things Austin, they're different, but they're in the same vein, I feel. Um, none sure. of those are over 300, or there maybe 300, might be the biggest. So um, a lot of them are right around me, 100 to 150. And so to me, I'm like, that maybe, maybe that's just market share. I did it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, so, yeah. and, and Instagram's shifting, it seems like going into reels more. And, um, I don't know. I might be kind of burned, a little burned out on it at this point. Who knows? But I'm my attention has honestly been lacking as of late, to be totally frank with it. I'm not putting the daily time in like I did for, you know, all the way up to a hundred.
0: Yeah. How do you, how, how many, do you have somebody else who helps you with the page or are you the sole person kind of handling the day-to-day stuff?
1: It's a, it's a hundred percent me. And so, I mean, a, yeah. a year or two ago, Um, I brought on a a brother, sister, you know, as like partners, basically, um, with, you know, hopes of really kind of pushing things forward. And I love them to death, but they haven't done this type of stuff either. Great people, great partners. Um, I don't think I made a mistake. It's, it still relies on me for a lot of the direction, which I guess it is. I say at the time, wasn't really thinking about it. I was like, maybe I can bring people in and the merch will sell itself and this, will and it's like, no, it still takes a lot of work on my account, you yeah. know? And so I brought them in, but they're kind of like sitting on go waiting for me to be like, Hey, help with this. Let's do that. And they'll, and they'll really push it. You know, I've just haven't really pushed the account forward as far as like monetizing. I mean, it's just the fun, the way it is, I guess. I don't know. I've just kind of been focused on other things in life. Um, sure. so I brought them on. They do help me with, with things here and there. Uh, i will write the occasional post, but it's still you know 99% me running it and posting it and coming up with
0: content and um all that good stuff yeah do you if you had to guess like how many hours a week do you would you think you spend kind of just toying with the account or tinkering with it you know posting stuff um zero
1: to ten thousand followers i was probably putting 20 to 30 hours a week into it um and a lot maybe yeah and that's a lot a lot of the beginning was like following unfollowing liking every photo in town i mean just a lot of like the grind the hustle of it but that as the followers grew it needed less of that to grow on its own so zero to ten thousand twenty five thirty hours something like that ten to fifty probably ten hours five to ten dropped off quite a bit you know still trying to post a lot but kind of had a routine at that point um, and then 75 to 100 dropped off again. And then here lately, I mean, I'm like two, <laughs> one or two. I mean, I'm, I, I'm kicking. I need to get back into it and post more. But I've been bad lately. I mean, I'll go three weeks and not post, which I used to be religious about posting every day. So it's really kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit lately. And to be honest, like I hit 100,000. I've got like several, you know, several hundred posts to the account. And to me, a lot of that information is kind of evergreen because you can always scroll through the page and everything I've done is on there. So you can still get a lot of the information. It's just not, you know, Instagram posts die really after 24 hours. And so I guess this is a poor excuse, but the page is still grown without the input because there's enough meat there, I guess is what I'm getting to. That's still valuable to people, you know? And so I've kind of gotten away um, not posting. That would be different if I was like a food blogger Like, you kind of need to be talking about, like, what's going on right now. And I need to get better on high costing, like I've been saying. But um, a lot of it's, like, the parks don't really change. (laughs) I mean, the park's the park, you know. And so people can scroll through. So it's kind of survived pretty well that
0: way. No, it's interesting. I never really framed it that way, but it totally makes sense. It's like there's not really new parks popping up. But if you have a food blog, I mean, you and I both know, I mean, restaurants come and go like the wind.
1: So Mm -hmm.
0: you kind of have to be on the up and up with that and it becomes like a really integral part of your life. But with the parks, like you said, there's not like new parks popping up all the time. You know, it's like we Mm -hmm. really have like your mainstays and yeah. So no, it totally makes sense. And
1: and I'm just kind of, you know, growing it again. I'm, I'm just like dumbfounded it's at a hundred thousand and I don't really expect it to grow. And so for me, my focus, I guess, is somewhat shifted where I've been trying to get into conservation a bit more, talk about some of the issues that we're facing um, that have been of interest to me, but real specific on some projects coming kind of around town and um, trying to connect more with like LCRA and Travis County and Parks Department to help amplify maybe programs and things that they have going on. Um, but it's just time. Again, I still don't make money off the page. It's not a for-profit idea and it never will be i mean I, I plan to make money with it but the goal is always information not the money from it yeah. um and Which so it'd be respect, different by the way. well thank you and I, and it'd be yeah. different if, if i was like i'm trying to do this full time or like hey i need the money from this or something you know it would be a different relationship and i guess bringing the partners on and a lot of me is like oh, i need to monetize this or really, you know because i have this huge opportunity but the more it's like, I've done it a couple of times with paid posts. I did one recently and I just don't like doing it. Like, I just want to talk about parks. I'm kind of like getting to this point where I'm like, maybe I should just make it a nonprofit and just let it be what it is. I mean, it still doesn't feel like I own it. It feels like people just needed it. And I was the facilitator of it, but it doesn't feel like it's mine. If that makes sense. It's almost like its own thing, its own community yeah. at this point. And I kind of just want to like, let it be that, and maybe not try to monetize it as much as I was initially thinking I could. Um, it just doesn't, it just feels weird to me when I'm talking about an Airbnb giveaway and I don't know, I'm just losing interest in, all, in that side of things with it. So yeah. we'll, we'll see where it goes.
0: Well, there's, I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot of variables with that too. I think it, it, it's all, you know, situational, right? It's like, maybe you don't really want or need the money. Maybe it's like sometimes with things that I think, we learn this in business sometimes it's like, it's not always about the money. If it doesn't fundamentally make sense, you know, like mm-hmm. you kind of said something that was interesting. You said it kind of feels like its own community, right. And you were sort of just the conduit and, you know, and I don't know how you would even monetize something like that outside of maybe just merch merchandise. And I think you yeah. know, maybe high cost and t-shirts would be kind of cool at some point, but you know, and you, uh, obviously know more about this than i do but how do you even monetize a page like that if you wanted to like like would be like charging people to post their photos like how do you monetize something like that out of curiosity Uh, yeah
1: i'll just um, I'll, i'll tell you i don't know that much about this world but i'll tell you what i've learned um i i do plan on doing merchandise i mean for like a year i've had like several thousand dollars worth of merch sitting in my garage that i ordered and spent the money on, and it's <laughs> sold, so again, I'm yeah. I'm trying to get this finally rolling. I need to have merch and all that kind of stuff, but um, well, you know, I'll, I'll get there when the time's right. But um, beyond that, I mean, I think that's probably my best opportunity. I actually hired a, a map designer, a geologist, so I've got 3D versions of the Barton Creek Greenbelt with all the trails and everything that we're going to release at some point. Um, that I'm also just kind of sitting on right now. Um, so a few things like that, you know, I'll get creative. But just Instagram in general. Um, an audience of my size um, that's in a niche market like it is with a, with a very specific type of audience. Um, You know, like I had a water company I did a deal with, I've done a few, a small handful of deals where they're advertising some sort of outdoor product or nature natural or something that somewhat makes sense Um, for a single post. I'm probably in the three to $5,000 range per post. Mm -hmm. And so you know, if you look at food bloggers and stuff, the pricing changes a lot. But, I mean, that's kind of market value if I wanted to charge for that. So you do one a week. I mean, you're, you're making quite a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And,
1: yeah. I, and I get offers constantly. And there's a lot of low balls and there's a lot of give me this discount code and you'll get this off what you sell. Tons of that. Um, I, I could work with an agent right now if I wanted to to bring me legitimate deals like that. Um, to get you know 1500 all day long would be you know business at, at that but again it's just it's not I don't want it to be a business for me and like every time I've done those I just don't feel right about them and it's not a knock-on influencers. that's its whole thing it's just I feel like Austin's just different it, it serves a different purpose and I'm and I'm good with that
0: yeah for sure um talk so one of the things I was going to ask you about was, because you're a photographer, right, as well.
1: Yes, I don't do it, you know, professionally. I mean, yeah, it's like I, more I, like hobby. Some, it's, it's one of those things where like a, it's like, a, what's it called when you're subconscious about your work? Imposter syndrome. I have that with photography. Like, yes, I do it. I can do it professionally. But I, feel, I still feel weird calling myself a photographer because I just, I wing, I'm a YouTube, just winged it, taking photos. But, yes, I mean, I, I, I do it. It's a big part of my
0: life. Yeah. No, I, I, and I com- completely relate to that, man. I deal with a lot of that myself. I, um, so when you, have you ever like, you know, obviously you, t- you're capable of taking your own photos. Did you ever, is, is high cost, hike Austin kind of a mixture of some of the stuff that you have personally taken, like maybe more in the beginning days, was it stuff, was it kind of a mixture of like photos maybe you took and posted and then maybe, you know, other people took, Um, I always kind of wondered that because I know that you, you know, do photography on the side as well. So uh, I was wondering maybe if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, I would say up until recently with reels, because those have really kind of shifted Instagram. So I'd say in the last four months, the dynamic has shifted on the page. But let's say everything previous to that, when it was still um, exclusively photos um 98 99 of the account was not my work um and for a very long time i was very focused on keeping it separate from me um it's its own thing i didn't really relate myself to it i have a little more here recently with like the collaborator posts and things like that but um no I, i at the very beginning i didn't as good as anybody's like I mean I'd look on the I, my, my whole thing is if I want to do a post about Barn Creek I'd go to the location I'd go to the hashtag and I just find the single best photo that I could within the last six months probably three months depending on the yada,
0: yada. Um, um, and so that was my focus.
1: Focus. one of my photos I genuinely believed was the best photo in that circumstance I would use it but I very rarely thought that one of my own was the best Um, But that's really just how I ran the page, was going to the locations and finding the best content that I can. It doesn't have to be the best photo. I mean, some of the most liked photos on the page are iPhone shots. So it was just finding the right photo for the right caption, the right. um, That really worked. And that was where all most of my time went into the page. Um, So there's a long answer for you. But no, very rarely would I post my own work. And then um, here recently, it shifted to Reels. And my, you know, day job has shifted in the last year. I'm doing a whole different thing now. And that's, I've been traveling. It's been, there's been a lot of things going on. So I've been even worse with Hike Austin. So I've been lazy basically doing collaborator, yeah. collaborator posts on Hike Austin <laughs> with my personal account, posting reels because they're fun. I make them, but I kind of want, like I'm, I'm moving into doing collaborator posts with people that I know and like their work. Um, so it just kind of like is it, easy. I can... Oh, I haven't posted in a week. I can throw up a reel and it takes care of my personal account and hike Austin, and I can yeah. check it off the to do list. You know what I mean and move on from it. But um, I need to get somebody in at this point to help manage the page so it's more regular and all that good stuff. So there's a long answer
0: for you. Recent, you know, here recently a lot more, um, but before that, not really at all. Yeah. I was checking out, uh, while we're talking about Instagram growth, I was checking out your personal page the other day. That has really kind of grown a lot too, man. Since you and I spoke about a year and a half ago, uh, what do you kind of, uh, attribute that to? Cause I, I, I did see one of the reels you posted the other day, which was, uh, badass. I really liked, I think it was the one where you're kind of walking down the boat dock. Mm-hmm. That one was really cool. Is that, is that really kind of helped with the growth is like the reels on your personal page? But, yeah, definitely. Well, um,
1: I hit 10,000 a few months back, and that was pretty much without Reels. Um, And then from there, it's at like 11 or something now. A lot of that's been from Reels and doing the collaborator post on Hike Austin, and just being a little more vocal of my connection to Hike Austin is probably the bulk of that. Uh, Because I went from shying away from it to like, yeah, it's here if you ask, or here, I'll do collaborator posts. Like, you know, I'm not trying to put it in anybody's face, but if you want to know that information, you can basically find it now. And as yeah. previously, you really couldn't unless you knew me personally. Um, so that's probably the bulk of it. Uh, the reels, I mean, just content in general is totally shifting to that format. So mm-hmm. it, I could give you a lot of examples right now of growth of other pages solely due to reels. So I would say yes from there. And I'm, I'm it's starting to grow at a little faster rate now. Um, I've been doing a lot of reels. So that's definitely, you know, any content creators out there um, that's just where it's shifting and, that's a whole nother conversation to be had, but there's a, there's a lot going on there. Um, so something to keep in mind for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, what, uh, what do you have going on personally these days? Anything you kind of, you know, I, I don't know what your comfortability level is with talking about personal endeavors. I know when on the last episode, when we talked, I think you were kind of in, um, I think you were working in like, uh, for a building company at the time or you were working in some kind of mm-hmm. development industry or are you still kind of doing that these days or no so um i don't know how much time to to story <laughs> no man we can like, we can talk uh, as long as you want whatever you're comfortable to disclosing on the show i uh i didn't yeah some yeah. People, yeah um all good i my my
1: personal life um especially here in late um it's more interesting it's been more fun but i'm happy to i'm happy to dive into it um I've been in construction basically my entire life. My dad was a builder. My mom was an interior designer. Um, literally in, on job sites since I was in diapers, and that led to you know a bit of a long story. But a few years ago, I started working with um, a man named Alan. He was in his 80s. He still is, um, and he's a luxury custom home builder out on the North Shore of Lake Travis where I was at. And so. That's a whole story how that gig kind of started, but I ended up with, in a partnership with him and one other builder. So it was the three of us um, building really high end custom homes. Um, and I did that for three years and some change um, until my new job, which I'm now the uh, producer of the Build Show on YouTube and the Build, and the Build Show Network.
0: So it's, um, man, it's kind of a crazy story for me to dive into. It. I'm happy yeah, to. Yeah, no, up. I want to hear. Uh, well. What is, what is The Build Show? Let's start there. Because I, I noticed that on your Instagram bio, and I, I kind of wanted to ask you about it a little bit. Um, yeah, how did that relationship start? And talk to us a little bit about that. I'm not familiar with the show, and I spend a lot of time on YouTube, but I, probably because of my algorithm, because I don't watch a lot of builder videos. I don't think I've ever came across the channel, but <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to check it out.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll dive into it. Um, so The Build Show is, is created by Matt Reisinger. And he's a builder here in town. And so Matt um, is a very high end builder. So I thought I was building high end at like 350 to maybe $500 per square foot new construction cost, which is very nice. I mean, that's million plus two, three, $4 million homes. Um, and I thought that was fancy. Matt Reisinger doesn't really do much less than $1,000 a square foot. And a lot of it is 1500 or 2000 So that's, that would say, I would say is easily in the top 5% of residential construction projects in Austin. Not, not his total number, but just price per square foot. Uh, expensive these homes are and the, the features in them. Um, but I'd say he's probably in the top 1% in town. Um, and so he is just a very educated, building science focused builder. He carry, he's looking into the products of what he's putting into his houses, the latest. Um, and that was always his niche, and he's been here, I think, close to 20 years. And about 15 years ago, he started a blog and started making videos that were like 480p, you know, just talking construction, nerdy construction, talk, you know, details and just getting into like the hardcore topics, like not HGTV stuff. I mean, this is all builder-to-builder builder focused, really gets in the details and so he's been doing that this whole time making videos and his youtube took off and so come to today his youtube is a few thousand short of a million followers um and this one is he's less of a builder more of a media guy but he still has the building company and now he has a production company um that work kind of on the, under the same roof and the build show was created officially around three years ago Ah, uh, the COO of the company. Um, his brother was a retired media guy. He had built up, I think, three or four media companies and sold them, and it was basically retired, living in Indiana. And his brother, who worked for the building company and now the production company, was like, "Hey, you need to come check this out." And so he did, and was like, "Holy cow! You you have you know like an empire of builders here watching <laughs> your content. You know, this is a huge opportunity." So, long story short, about three years ago, they partnered up. created build productions and so now we are a construction media company um, that we work with builders all across the United States producing content and we have what we call the build show that gets posted to Matt's YouTube and then also the build show.com which is what we're really focused on and it's our own network of construction videos all focused for other builders or homeowners that really want to get into the details I mean there's no this isn't hgtv i mean this is like you want to learn construction come watch these videos yeah Um, and so it's a really kind of niche audience there and so that's kind of the business as a whole um and i got involved because you know i was working with the older man alan and, and our other partner and um it was a huge opportunity for me i mean it was really going well um but i just had a gut feeling that it just wasn't I needed to make a move. I was worried with his age if something happened. I didn't really have the experience to take over at that point. I was worried what that transition might look like. And just in general, just kind of had a gut feeling that was telling me I should look at my options. And so, uh, which was difficult because I was making more money than I'd ever had in my life. I mean, not getting rich, but I was like, you know, I don't come from money or anything. So this was like, wow, you know, I'm actually, I'm doing pretty well here. And so it was hard, but I had this this feeling I needed to. And so one day I got strong enough and um, came home from work and made a list of the biggest builders in town. Like if I could go work for anybody in Austin building the craziest stuff. You know, who is that? And I came up with my list of three or four names and Matt Reisinger was number one. Um, and at the time, I didn't realize the scope of the media company. I wasn't thinking that at all. I just was like, man, he's building some really cool stuff you know let's go see what they're about so I just
0: looked up and how did did you already know about like it was just because you were in the industry you kind of knew who the kind of yeah guys were you were like okay you kind of know once you're in the industry because you know they a lot
1: of us use the same tile guys and framers and you know my dad's been a builder in Austin since the 80s so again I was born and building in Austin so I just I've kind of just i just kind of you just kind of know you know you're just in the industry and so yeah um, and i did some googling and just kind of looked and i had a home inspector friend of mine that was obsessed with matt reisinger's youtube videos He's like dude you gotta watch this stuff like you're doing it all wrong like yada 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 he's like you gotta watch his content and i just kind of passed it off but that came to mind when i was making my list like okay like there's a dude out there making all these videos he's here in town you know, he's got to be, I was really wanting the education. Like I really wanted to go to a builder that was like doing it right, making good money on the projects. Like it just organized very well. Like I wanted to go work for an operation that was like really doing well and just really like just one of the top guys in town. I wanted to go see, I wanted to go see if I could have the opportunity to get in there to learn and maybe one day go out on my own. So it was really kind of education focused. And I thought Matt, even though he's not building the biggest houses kind of the way he was building houses was enticing to me. And so he was an easy number one. He was like, that's why I got in my own head. I was like, I need to go work there. I kind of forgot about the other guys. And so I just showed up at their office one day at like 11 o'clock in the day um, and just walked in, asked if they were hiring. And um, the nice lady, who gr- greeted me sat me down with Tim, who's the VP of construction, but Tim really builds everything. Like Matt's, too busy with being like a celebrity basically at this point, running right. the media company. It's, I mean, he's he's still involved on the projects, but he's not calling subcontractors much anymore. Um, that's Tim. I mean, he's really runs all the project managers. And so I sat down with him um, just randomly, had a great 30-minute conversation with him. Um, and long story short, they. about a month later, I had a deal that I kind of brought to the table. It's kind of a longer side topic there. But about a month later, they offered me a job as a senior project manager, um, and I was like done. So I you know, went back to my previous partners, and you know, ha- you know, heart and hand, just told them, "Love working for you guys, but I, I need to go chase this opportunity." And they were yeah. supportive, and so I, I, you know, wonderful people. So they, they, you know, total gentlemen. Let me go um, cleanly, smoothly, quick, and I started for working for Matt as a project manager, um, but you know, they kind of realized I was also doing photography and they found out about hike Austin. And I was just trying to make myself useful. The, the video side of things was just fascinating to me. So I, I kept kind of pushing into that area and working with Matt. And I've been there about eight months now. And about uh, three weeks ago, it officially got changed. Uh, my contract got moved over. I, I switched from the home building company as a project manager to a producer for the production company. And I'm, I'm now basically the one and only build show producer producing all of Matt's YouTube content. And then we're doing these original series that I'm really kind of picking over and managing. So I'm still in construction, but I haven't, you know, carried a tool belt or managed any contractors in, you know, eight or nine months. Uh, and I absolutely love them. I mean, this is like a dream come true for me. as a job. So I'm running around hiring film crews and um Filming construction videos with Matt all the time, and it yeah, totally different change of pace. I mean, it's it's uh, I have a hard time putting into words sometimes. Uh, Yeah, man, fell into it.
0: (laughs) Well, first off, I want to say congratulations because I think that is an incredible opportunity, and it's it's interesting just how, you know, it, it seems it just seems like the perfect opportunity for you because it was like you know your background with construction, but also, you know, with kind of the the monster that hike Austin is sort of inevitably turned into. I mean, this is sort of like the best of both worlds, you know, like, cause you do have mm-hmm. you know, your background with photography and then managing, you know, hike Austin. I mean, this was like the perfect storm for you, man. So um, I think it's cool that you're getting an opportunity to do this and I think do it on like a bigger scale.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And that's how I feel. I mean, it is, it's seriously a dream job for me. I I, don't, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about it because it's, it's new and I asked for a lot of re- responsibility quickly and they gave it to me. And so I'm like, now I'm kind of like, oh, shit, I've never done any of this before. So I'm having to work, you know, twice as hard to make sure it goes smooth and I do a good job and all that, but I, I love it. I mean, I don't have the stress that I did in construction. It's just a whole different ball game. And so, um, eight months in kind of feel like I'm finally getting into the groove of it now, um, kind of getting used to things. And it's starting to really click for me. It feels like, so it's, it's wild. You know, I, I, you know, in construction, I was doing well, but never really enjoyed it. It, it um, I've never really had a job like this before. I mean, it's been a long time to kind of fall into something where it just clicks, you know, and I hear about yeah. people saying that, but it's weird. It just never really felt like, I don't know. It's hard to describe that when you find like an opportunity or a situation that, really fits you and you enjoy it you know and i'm going to work and it doesn't feel like work you know it's it's uh it's rare i don't know if it'll last forever but i'm enjoying the right now a heck of a lot which is another reason i'm like hike austin like it's like it's on the back i mean it's in the back of my head right now which isn't good i need to i need to keep that going but i'm just so into what i'm doing for work right now and enjoying it that it, it's really
0: consumed me yeah can I, can I ask you a little bit about the production side? Yeah, any, anything you want to know. Because, um, you know, the term production, I think, in media, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a big tent. You know, there's a producer can mean like, hey, somebody's, like, at least on the, the cinema level, it's like, hey, this is just yeah. a guy who's putting up his own money. He's not there on set. He's mm-hmm. not kind of a, you know, pseudo director. Um, but when you say you're kind of producing the YouTube videos, are you kind of sitting there with like, you know, final cut or some kind of film editing, you know, software and you're editing the videos? Like, well, how hands on are you in the production of things?
1: Um, so as of today, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of side stories and long stories to get to what my current situation is as of right now, but I'm just going to skip to the right now. Um, So Matt Rising on his YouTube, we post a new video every Tuesday and every Friday. And internally in our team, we have the the GM, Don, who basically is boss other than Matt. Um, We have an office gentleman. We have all the accounting people, but they're shared between the companies. And then we have two editors, um, one in-house and then one remote. And then we have um, a whole team or two guys right now um, developing into a team of business development sales. Um, So with that being said, every Tuesday and every Friday, we need to get content out on Matt's YouTube, whether that's editorial content we produce at no fee or advertorial where we have a paid sponsor having us make a video about their product. And we always try to keep it what still feels like an editorial and a genuine content. We just happen to be getting paid for it and talking about something slanted at their product but it's always meant to be educational to learn something never supposed to feel like a commercial or anything like that so i internally we ha- we have freelance or not internally but locally we have freelancers we work with but i can also shoot so i've kind of turned into with matt being his main shooter now we're probably about to hire another shooter so i don't do that as much because i have other things i'm working on but um i'm doing a lot of like actually holding the camera with matt um, producing his content now i don't edit it we have a you know team of editors so i just upload the footage to our server and they take care of it but i also then come back and review it because they don't although they're learning more and more about construction we get into such weeds on stuff that if you're not a builder you're not going to know which b-roll to cut to you know, and they're really good. I'm like always blown away on how well they pick up on it. But we start talking LVLs and, and they look very similar. You've got to know what kind of what you're doing to start talking to, to cut to the right footage. So I do a lot of the review work on that aspect. Or, um, or if we are on a shoot, like tomorrow we have Carrier, the HVAC company coming in. And so I coordinated the shoot at one of our job sites. It's the final walkthrough of the system. All of their marketing people will be here from Carrier. I hired a freelance shooter. Uh, that will take care of most of it I may pick up a camera if I need to and then I'll be on site with Matt making sure that the talking points from Carrier about their product get into Matt's brain and that he shoots you know the video and talks about them in a way that Carrier will be happy with but Matt really kind of is good and handles that but I'm still there to like make sure we actually capture it you know and kind of where the rubber meets the road on the production of that and getting everything coordinated Um, and then I mean, I can dive into it. There's, there's just layers to it and more. And then we have contributors, which are um, other builders and, and trades around the nation. We're up to 10 now, builders, architects. We have a plumber, a drywall girl, and they all make content for us weekly. And so I do a lot of reviewing that content. I was just in Seattle launching a new contributor, a new builder we're bringing into the network. So I went up there to find a local freelancer, kind of shoot with them for the day, make sure that they make sense, set up that relationship so that they can work together to create content, and then kind of go over the overarching view of this new contributor and, like, okay, for the rest of the year, what's the type of content that you're thinking, and kind of have the construction knowledge to help produce that content and make sure that it'll flow and make sense, yada, yada. But these guys are pros. I mean, it doesn't, yeah, they do a lot of it, but a lot of that I'm doing. And then we have an original series called Building on an Island. It's 18 episodes built on an island 12 miles off the coast of Rhode Island, and we're on episode 10. No, we're coming on to episode 12, and I took over at episode 11. So everything from 11 on is up to me to make sure that the all the sponsors that we're working with, their products are in the right videos. Um, we have hire the freelancer, coordinate them with the builder. I mean, just all the rubber meets the road coordinating, making sure it happens kind of stuff. Shoot when I need to. I flew up to none of the freelancers that we work with and the schedules worked and the builder wanted some help. So long story short, I ended up flying to to Rhode Island a couple of weeks ago to go out there and shoot it myself because it just made more sense than trying to explain it to a freelancer or somebody new and I knew what needed to be shot. So it was just easier just to go do it myself. Um, so.
0: Are not you a crew with you? <laughs> yeah, no, man, no, I think this stuff is fascinating by the way. I, um, did you have like when you go uh like to another state to shoot something like that are you yeah. bringing a bunch of equipment with you like you know like uh what do they call it like the microphone that's on the yeah yeah um, their... yes it... are you having like a full like a lighting per... like do you have other people there with you like a lighting guy you're holding the camera is it all or is yeah. it all just real like makeshift gorilla style like how do you approach it
1: both um okay. so Here locally, we have a studio. So a lot of the podcasts that I'm producing, we have, you know, an FX9, a cinema camera. Like you can put stuff on Netflix with that camera. Then a whole slew of other Sony cameras. I mean, so that's, and those cameras stay in our studio. So I operate those a lot whenever we have live webinars or we're shooting in the studio, podcasts. We have one of the fastest growing podcasts right now in construction and all that, that, you know, that I'm working to produce with them. Um, But traveling, when I travel, it depends on the shoot. So 90% of the stuff we do on construction footage, we, we don't need to overproduce it. If the lighting's good, it's in focus and there's clean audio, it's good. It's all about the substance of the content. So we don't, it's not like we're going to go, we're not making Star Wars, we're making construction videos. So it's like, it's very basic, the level of production that we have to have um, for a good video. And so when I go, I can fit everything that I shoot with in one Pelican case, which is a Canon R5 and two with two lenses. I fit a drone and then all my batteries, ND filters, audio, everything like that fits in one Pelican that I can take on a carry on. And so I have a very tight kit that I use, but I can have two, two mics, I can interview two people. I'm shooting 4K. I have the ability to shoot 8K on that camera, but it's small. It's just like your typical if you think of a professional photographer camera, it just looks like one of those. So it's not like the big over-the-shoulder cinema crap. I could travel with that, but, like, I don't want to. Like, there's no need. Like, you're shooting construction videos at 4K. Like, we don't need anything more than that. Make sure you get good B-roll, you know, and the the frame is set right, like the... the, can't think of the term i'm looking for but yeah it's pretty simple and so we do that but then if it's a bigger shoot and it's for a big sponsor we may take two, me and somebody else and have a two camera shoot because it just adds the production value right um or joey that used to work with us he liked the fx9 so anytime he shot anything he was taking the big over the shoulder cinema camera which is great and like there's a saying we always joke like you got to do the show to get the dough so like sometimes on the certain clients you need to take the big camera even though you don't need to take the big camera if that makes sense
0: right. no I don't. <laughs> you, know, you know what Reception i mean and so like
1: a long way. yeah so you play those games a little bit at the end of the day it's like iphone could probably shoot what we need to shoot i mean it's like we're making construction videos it's all about what they're saying it's not the level of the production again right. in focus lighting's good and audio is the biggest deal as long as you check those boxes and get cool b-roll you're good so what does b-roll
0: mean man i i oh yeah yeah, my bad i don't know what that means because i've heard that term before and i have no idea what it means
1: a roll would be like if if the camera is directly on somebody and they're talking to you eye contact with the camera the core of what's being said b-roll is like if they're talking about airplanes and then it cuts to a clip of an airplane flying by that clip is b-roll so Um, if we're talking about framing a house and there's two guys being interviewed in the street and as they're talking, it cuts to a time-lapse shot of framers working on a job site, that's Uh B-roll. And so B-roll does a lot to like add a lot of value to to production value and everything. And so everything is B-roll, anything you watch at all. I mean, it's just, it's intermixed all the time. So you get all your A-roll shots with audio, which will be all, you know, them talking. And then you use that audio over your B-roll and so as long as that's the whole trick of shooting is whatever they talk about, you have to remember what they said to then go into the job site or the situation and get B-roll of what they talked about. Totally and that's kind sense. of like one of the main things you have to pay attention to is like the more B-roll you can get, the better, you know, and there's some tricks to shooting it going really slow or shooting at a higher frame rate. Um, so there's some. Do what we get, but it's not. It's Like, we're having to do five takes and get the shot just right and pan like that. I mean, no, like, we're just – we're making construction videos. You know what I mean? It's not that there's not anything
0: crazy. Did you say you have a separate mic? I'm starting to kind of nerd out over this stuff a little bit. No, no, you're good. Like, with the camera, like, when you take, like, you said, your small little Pelican case with you, you said you have a separate mic. Because the camera itself is not – like, I'm sure the camera itself can pick up audio, but it's not going to be, like, as probably as – amplified as you want it to be or it's not going to be maybe as crispy as you want it to be so do you you use like a second second microphone right are you like yeah, mic- right. are you putting a microphone on the actual like if someone's talking let's say you're like filming something yeah. and you're kind of doing it with a smaller camera do you ever have kind of like those small mics that clip to their shirt Or are you kind of just doing like an overhead mic on a on an extender like i don't know what that's called. Yeah. Like what is- so we never do that. We never do the like
1: an actual sound guy sitting there with a, a boom mic or whatever they're called. Yes, that's what it's called a that, boom mic. It
0: was like that I sounds right. I don't know if it is, but
1: yeah. Um, so never work with those guys. Um, Ninety nine out of a hundred times, we shoot with what we called Rode mics, and they're just a brand, and they're they're Bluetooth wireless um, lapel mics that you can clip in onto their shirt. And so that's almost everything that I shoot. They fold up, tie into a tiny little case. I have a receiver that I put on the camera and turn on, and that connects to two microphones. So that's like mic two people. And then um, those just have a little thing they throw in their pocket. And then I have a mic that on a wire that I run up through their shirt and clip, and clip onto their shirt. And the audio is killer. I mean, there's a few things you, you look out for. And then I plug in headphones into the camera. So I'm monitoring audio while I'm shooting um and that works extremely well and folds up really small but then in our studio i mean we can get into all that gear too but um we've got actual like podcast mics like on the swing arms or whatever you know it's like fastened to a table um and all that gear and the headphones and all that so i work with that stuff too but traveling is super simple those road mics if we use the cinema camera there's a high it goes from like 350 fifty dollar road mics to 2500 we, i think we call them lobs or labs most of this production stuff it's like terminology that i'm like huh what what are you saying like apparently sticks yeah. being tripod i don't know that you know what i mean I, I know how to build houses so I'm, I'm learning as i go but um there's a different type of mic that plugs in with an xlr cable and if you hire any sort of pro or like any sort of film or um production like a legit dude that's doing it full-time they don't use road mics they're using this other type of mic um that has external batteries and just work a lot. They're, they're just like shooting in JPEG to shooting in raw. If that makes sense on um, for audio, if you're into photography, yeah. you know, it's just, it's
0: just more data, better, higher grade, that sort of stuff. Interesting. Yeah, man. I think it's, I think some of the inner workings of production when it comes to film and audio is, is really fascinating. So that's why I was kind of curious about it. I don't, I don't get many opportunities to talk to people that kind of work on the production side of things. So it's, it's interesting yeah. to hear.
1: Yeah, happy to dive into any of that. you know yeah. I'm, I'm new to all this. I'm learning as I go, so it's like fun for me too because' I've always been interested in it as well. but now yeah now I'm having to do it for work you know so <laughs> sometimes is it, is it overwhelming like... at
0: times Ben are you kind of are you kind of doing your own research on your own time or is it kind of just learning on the fly as you go? like I'm sure there's a lot of terminology and a lot of equipment that maybe you weren't as familiar with before like how how is the yeah. learning curve been?
1: um i would say that in this situation the learning curve has been incredibly easy because i'm truly interested in it um you know i was always a terrible student had a difficult time learning um except for things that i actually cared about which is probably you know true for a lot of people but i could never force it like i would just fail the class i wanted to actually like like you know put in that work yeah so so but now it's different now i'm you know older and genuinely interested in so there's been a lot of a learning curve and nobody is sitting there teaching me anything unless I ask. If I'm just paying attention or like we go to set up the podcast and we had a guy working for us um, at the time and I went to just help him and make myself useful, but I'm highly focused on what wires are plugging in? Where does it go? Why did you plug it in there? How does the switchboard work? Why is he hitting that button? So I constantly was asking questions and trying to learn. And so within a month, I was doing all the podcasts. No, just because I, I wanted to learn, I figured it out. You know, everything's on YouTube. Like we, we have, you know, 100, 200 grand of professional lighting in the studio. And I don't know what any of it does or color tones or any of that. Um, but I just wanted to do good and I was curious. So I'd watch YouTube videos and go up there on a Saturday on my free time. And I spent like three hours pl- playing with the lights instead of a camera on myself and a monitor so I could sit down in the chair and see the lighting on my own face um and just like got to a point in like three or four hours of doing it i was like all right cool like i know it enough now um and moved on and so i it's um it's been easy just because i'm interested but it's been just um you know a lot of googling or just really it's you can learn so much if you're just nice to people and you hire somebody and you're like nice to them and care and genuinely care about what they're doing if you hire a plumber to come into your house to replace a faucet if you're like hey, thanks for coming by. Genuinely excited that he's there, thankful for his time. And then you start asking, how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? What's that tool? Why do you use that tool? And you're just curious and genuine. Nine out of 10 people are going to spend the time to teach you. And so I've just just always tried to do that no matter what it is. Um, And so that's how I've learned everything in production so far is you get around pros and you just be nice and ask questions and pay attention. And if they tell you something, just actually listen, you know, pay attention, take notes if
0: you have to. And, um, people just teach you. It's it's great, dude. I think that's, uh, that's vital advice. I really do because yeah, if you humility, right. goes a long way with most things and you got to have humility to even be able to like ask the questions and then to just be receptive to people's information. Like the people who really, Especially in a new industry, I do think that there's something to be said about people who are inquisitive, ask questions, and have a lot of humility. You're going to go really far in life. Yeah, one of advice percent. I would give in a young person, you know?
1: And, and, and keep the humility. I mean, you never, you never know everything. And if, like, if you meet somebody new, and I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but you're never gonna learn everything and everybody has something to teach you. Even if it's something very small, it can impact you very big later and you don't realize these things. And so if you're just genuinely curious about people and why they do what they do and the business they're in, I mean, I I just find all of that fascinating, but um, you can learn anything. I mean, the only difference between somebody who's a pro and somebody who's an amateur is time. And so you just have to find what you want to spend the time in that connects. Um, and just and be humble and go into it. I mean, it, it's very easy to get focused on your own idea when your idea is not the end goal. I mean, if you had a goal to score a touchdown and that's the goal do you need to score the touchdown or if somebody else does, you still get your goal. And I think people get too hung up on them needing to score the touchdown or them getting the recognition. Like, that's not yeah. the goal. The goal is the task that you said at the very beginning. It's like, oh, I have something I'm working on now and we need to make a bunch of revisions. And there's a ton of the revisions that I already know we need to make and change. But I'm sending this package out to people in the company right now to make suggestions. And a lot of them obviously called out the things that I already know I need changing. But it'd be very easy for somebody or people in that situation to get their feelings hurt or get defensive like, well, I know all of these need to change. Like, there's no reason to say that. You should be thankful that they caught those things and made those revisions just like yeah, you already know them. You don't need to tell them you already know them. Just move on. Just fix. Them, you know what I mean? Like that. It's so I don't have. I don't have that summed up. What I'm trying to say there, but it. It's, no, no, um, totally makes sense. That's just been a big, big philosophy for me and how I got into home building. I don't know how to build a house. I just asked the mason what he was doing and why, and
0: paid attention, and now I'm in production doing the same thing. It's yeah, um, it's really. Helped I think it's just how how things work, man. Like I, I think some people think a big hindrance for them is, especially when they're younger um they don't ask they don't ask questions and they don't ask the right questions maybe they're like too maybe they're embarrassed because they don't want to be perceived as stupid or inadequate um but when you get older and you get more comfortable in your own skin dude i ask questions all the time i love to ask questions partly one of the reasons why i have a podcast because i'm genuinely interested in people I'm interested in what they do and I feel like I've just always been a very inherently inquisitive person like I I wish there's not enough hours in the day man you know like mm-hmm. I wish I would just I, I, there's so much I'm interested in want to learn about so um Most I, yeah exactly
1: I I'm just saying I, mean, I would way rather somebody think that I'm dumber than I than I actually am than somebody think I'm smarter than I actually am and I think a lot of people get that in reverse. They're always trying to act or portray that they're smarter or understand things they don't. The opposite is such a better place to be. I would rather sure. somebody underestimate me or think I don't know something when I do. And that that right there, is, you got to let that go. Just if there's something you're curious about and you go ask questions, even if you know a little bit, it doesn't matter. You know, you act like you know nothing and you'll you'll be surprised you know, what that will get you and you can impress people that way. And people just assume that you're really smart, and they expect you to do things very well, but you can kind of play dumb a little bit and it really helps
0: to, to your advantage. I, I believe. Yeah. Well, also too, it's kind of human nature in a way because I think most people enjoy, like if you give people the stage to talk, like you said earlier, nine out of 10 people are going to, they'll take the floor and they'll talk. So yeah. if you approach it the right way, and because people who are real passionate about certain things, they love to talk about it. So if you're something, it's like a real niche thing that you're maybe interested in learning. um, Like when I got back into archery a few years ago, I mean, that's a, that's a complex thing, hobby for people to have. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of physics involved. And I, to this day, I still ask tons of questions, you know, but y- you got to be you got to be okay with that, you know? And I don't care if people perceive it as like me being kind of, you know, dumb or whatever the case may be. I, I much rather get the information and do it in a polite way. And most people are okay with talking and telling you. Most people want to, you know, I think that's
1: the whole human nature. I mean, everything you've ever learned, you've learned from somebody else. And so I think it's just built into being a human. If there's, I think at the end of the day most people want to help other people and so just take, yeah. you know use that to your advantage and yeah I can see why you have a podcast I mean you're great to talk to and very curious about things. I'm the same way I mean you could uh, you could give me talking
0: Yeah man, no, I, you know, so for sure great. Yeah man no I appreciate that i uh, I know I've taken up a lot of your time today Matt I do there's one thing I wanted to touch on really quick before we jumped off the phone because you had mentioned uh, conservation earlier. Have you seen deep in the heart yet?
1: I have not. And I'm, I'm friends with uh, a gentleman involved on that show. I, I've done some a little posting for him and whatnot, but I have not.
0: And I am planning yeah. to this next week. Have you? Yeah. I saw, I went to go see it uh, last Sunday at Alamo. Cause I think it opened it. that front. It was, it was great, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm, you know, I've loved animals since I was a kid. And, uh, uh, you know, it it was just interesting. I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, Matthew McConaughey does an incredible job narrating the film, and just some of the shots. And there was a there was, It's interesting without giving too much away, but they just they incorporate a lot of history involved, kind of mm-hmm. the backstory a little bit with conservation and like hunting in Texas, and um, just all the different footage and the species they talk about is is pretty incredible, man. I uh, I was kind of curious if you. I'd seen it, but I I definitely recommend going to see it. I think you'd really like it a lot.
1: That and yeah, I definitely plan to. They, um, I have a friend of mine kind of connection through West Cave, um, that was helped out with some of the shooting of the film. And, um, they reached out about doing, you know, he reached out about seeing if I could help promote it on high cost. And I was like, you know, duh, of course. And they sent me over some of their media kits that had just clips in there. Um, like some of the best clips or just some of them and I got a thumb through that and I was just blown away. I mean, ha- I mean, half the clips I was looking at didn't even look like it was in Texas. I mean, yeah. I know no Texas pretty well. I mean, and that's kind of, and I was looking at these like, no way. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, there's ocelots and, black bear and just i mean it it just looked incredible and so i'm i'm itching to go see it that's for sure
0: yeah dude i think you'll be really entertained and and like you were saying you know there's there's so many species here in the state that i don't i think sometimes get overlooked or people or maybe they're in like a really concentrated area Mm -hmm. and people just don't even know that they um exist here so i thought that was the part that was really interesting like i i had no idea that there were some black bear in big bend you know no Mm -hmm. one no one ever thinks of bear residing in texas even if it's a really concentrated um group of them that you don't like just it's a total afterthought like i don't think people even really think about it sometimes but i think that's the, the cool thing that the film really brought light to
1: yeah that's incredible that's that's great I'm, I'm i'm glad it's getting the feedback that it has um and that people are appreciating you know that that sort of film and information that's uh, a great step in the right direction and yeah ben masters i think he's the main guy behind it and yeah he directed uh, it just an incredible he's made some pretty incredible work before and so yeah. i love when somebody like that gets you know the funding behind them and somebody like matthew mcconaughey involved i mean it's it's incredible to see um you know that work moving in the
0: right direction i, I hope to see more of it yeah no i completely agree man um well, Matt, I appreciate it, dude. This was an incredible conversation, as always. The first one was as well. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best in your endeavors, man. And, I, uh, again, I appreciate you taking some time out today to chat.
1: Yeah, happy to do it, man. Hope all is uh, well for you guys. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon.
0: Yeah. Thanks again, dude. And I'll uh, we'll be in touch.
1: Cool. Right on. Have a good on. one. All right. Take care. Trapped in Austin Podcast.